Welcome back, everyone, to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. Welcome back, Aspire Leaders. I have the pleasure of having a wonderful friend, Sarah Johnson, soon to be Dr. Sarah Johnson, on the Aspire to Lead podcast. We're going to talk about that and much, much more, including how she has not only been a teacher, a media specialist, a principal, but now substitute teacher. So I cannot wait to dive into that aspect of her many, many roles. She's also working at a college. I mean, podcaster, author, what can Sarah not do is really the question that we need to be asking today. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the Aspire Lead podcast once again. Thanks for having me back, Joshua. And the answer is I cannot cook well. Or bake or keep a cl- house clean. <laughs> gotcha. Well, something's got to fall to the wayside, and those are the things, right? That's right. You get to a certain age, and you're like, yeah, those are not my strengths, and I don't care about it. So the people around me have to deal. Well, I still cook every single day, and I still clean every single day. I just don't do it well. Sure. Well, so. understandably so. And I think a lot of us feel the same way that we have to <laughs> kind of be okay with just okay and yes. not superior in all of our different roles as for you, mother and wife, and as the profession goes to all the many things that you do. And I know you're also supporting so many folks around this country. And we were just talking that you're going to be in my neck of the woods here pretty soon uh, as you're going into Wyoming to support some educators. And uh, I cannot wait to kind of give my audience an update um, on what you're doing. But first off, I want to say thank you so much for being on video. For those who are listening on their podcast platforms, we're now going to be putting the Aspire to Lead podcast on YouTube, both on my page, Joshua Stamper, and then also uh, on the Teach Better YouTube page. So if you want video content to see, you know, all of the pink that Sarah Johnson's wearing today, (laughs) then you can definitely jump on YouTube. That's awesome. And of course, now I need to explain that, right? Because we're in October. <laughs> yes. And wearing a lot of pink. Actually, it's a it's it's a topic that's very important to me too. But I'm wearing it today because as one of the roles being a mom, um, we are attending volleyball event tonight. My oldest is in high school and the school has a breast cancer awareness fundraiser going on. So prepared for that being October. Don't forget people in your life, get a mammogram. Very important. So yeah, that's so see us on video, then you can see. And not only that, you can see my hair because that's a topic for people, right? I'm still getting used to it. I think it looks great, <laughs> but it's just one of those things. Like I saw you on video. I'm like, oh yeah, you got your haircut. And it's not even, I mean, that was a little while ago when you when you did that. Yeah, it was in May. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Been a while. Oh my goodness. For everyone that's listening, Sarah's been on the podcast many times, uh, not only as guests, but also a co-host as we have done several Aspire to Rise podcasts where we, you know, help aspiring leaders to become whatever they aspire to be, right? And Sarah, just to kind of give you an update, uh, a close friend and someone that's been on the podcast with us, Alana Gilliam, she just got promoted to becoming an assistant principal. And I think that's just a really cool update uh, from, I think you saw that too on social media that uh, she she got that uh, promotion this summer and super excited for her. And I, I don't know, I, I feel like we had a little piece in that as we were trying to assist her and getting her to that next level. Certainly. And congratulations, Lena. That's exciting. It's always a new adventure when you get into that new role. And of course, wondering how she'll feel at this time of year when the honeymoon is over and you're finally behind the (laughs) desk, right? (laughs) 
Oh, for sure. I actually reached out to her. I'm hoping to get her on and just to kind of talk through just the different roles that she's been in, kind of see what what it's like right now as a brand new assistant principal. So stay tuned for that because I'm going to have her on the show hopefully in the next month or so uh, to kind of just check in with her and see what all the wonderful things that she's learned in her brand new role. So Sarah, talking about roles, I texted you the other day just to check in on you. And you were in the classroom as a substitute teacher. So I just wanted to know, why are you, are you missing the school that much? (laughs) Okay, so so, yeah, quick background for people that don't know that. I was an English teacher, turned into a principal. So I was a building level principal at the elementary, the middle grades and the high school grades in my time. Um, And then the last two years of my life prior to this academic year, I was a library media specialist. And I think I've shared on this um, podcast too, really had to just really put my money where my mouth was and all of these strategies that I've encouraged professionals to use over time with work-life balance um, and all of the things and definitely had too many yeses. But Having said that, I stepped away from that library media specialist position this year, having given it over to an exceptional person who's going to make it a hundred times better than I ever did. But yeah, of course, I miss kids. I I think that if we're in education and we step out of a role, that's probably one of the hardest times always is transitioning out of somewhere is the relationships you've built. And with the adults too, right? Because I worked with uh, these wonderful people as colleagues. And so there's a part of me that struggles to say no. Uh, anytime I see that app pop up asking me to sub, but I have said yes a few times. Uh, and the ways that I'm doing that is I do go back and I sub and the library for the person that replaced me, because then that way I know she and the aide have somebody that can transition in super easy. It just makes their life so much easier. But what you might not know, Joshua, is that I actually sub for the principal there too. So, and since we're on this fire lead, I would love to share a little insight on that. When I had left my principal job back in 2018, for that year after, I subbed in, both in this district where we live, where my husband works, um, where my children attend as principal, but also in the district that I had left the elementary level just to serve them. And one of the biggest reasons I love doing that is because anybody who's ever been a building principal, you know how hard it can be to leave, especially when you're not certain if there there are people there to handle a crisis situation. Um, You know, there's legal issues that sometimes we, and I love that we do our homegrown. We have people who are working on their licenses or have their license and they step out of the classroom and they do that. And that's awesome if if an organization has that opportunity. But this one right now doesn't, and it's always hard to find classroom subs. So they're leaning back on me again. I just said yes to the, you'll, you'll love this and your audience will too. I got a text that said, can you cover the buildings on November 1st? And I said, this is a joke, right? It's the day after Halloween um, for elementary building. This is not, you don't mean this, right? But of course, yes. So on November 1st, send out a prayer for me because I will be subbing pretty much as the K-12 administrator in that situation, but primarily helping out with the elementary. They knew exactly what they were asking. I know they did. <laughs> they promised extra candy. Which I, yeah. Oh, there'll be extra candy, but unfortunately it'll be in the students. Right. Uh, it'll be flowing through their bloodstreams. That's exactly right. Yeah. Well, Sarah, you, you had mentioned something and I want to expand on this a little bit. You said too many yeses. I and I think that. that's such a A powerful comment because as an administrator or any leader really in the building, I think a lot of us fall in that trap of wanting to serve everyone, wanting to be leaned on, uh, do a good job, and really not disappoint the many stakeholders that we're serving. So 
what has your experience been with saying yes to so many things? And what is some advice you might have now kind of on the back end of a lot of things of, of learning through those experiences? Uh, I'm curious because I think a lot of folks struggle with this. Right. Yeah. You know, first of all, I have to put in a caveat that this is a pattern for me for my entire life. Joshua, I am a, <laughs> I'm an aholic. I'm a workaholic. I'm a yesaholic. Yep. It is patterned for me since way before I became a professional. So of course that was going to follow me. I definitely would say the lessons I have learned is that I understand that when I give too many yeses, I can't, I, there's automatically going to be a no somewhere. And if I don't mindfully choose what that no is, then it will just automatically start happening. And most often it, the no goes to the things that I hold most dear. And I think that is the case for most of us. So when I said that I gave too many yeses, Part of it is that when I took on the library position, it was very last minute and I know I'll never regret doing that. I would say that the thing that I had learned is that I only can give so much. So I did negotiate to have that be 80%, even though I taught hundred percent of the time, but at least I had a day off to keep doing some of the other work that I had taken on. And so at least there was a lesson learned there. I knew that I couldn't go full capacity. Um, I then had already started my PhD program and I didn't feel like I could say no to that because I had, you know, it was these wheels that had been put in motion at the time. So that is the reason for the, you know, too many yeses. Though when I look back on it, I had a lot of professional yeses, but I did step away from some other things that were very important and dear to me at that time that I did remove intentionally, which were things like leading, you know, uh, hosting online at church. I don't lead worship at church um, there, you know, so there were some things that were hard that I hold dear to let go of, but I did um, in order to say yes during that other time. And, you know, I didn't do as much traveling the last two years. Those were hard no's for me. Um, right. So I gave too many yeses, but I also learned over time. And in my second year of that, I ended up reducing my client load and some of my other professional contracts where I serve so that I could do a little bit better. But yeah, I would say characterize the last two years. I've, I didn't even realize how much I was doing Joshua until this year has started. And I already feel overwhelmed with just doing the PhD and coaching and teaching the courses that I teach and trying to be a mom to a high school kid and a middle schooler and all of the things. So I don't know. I just think a huge part of that is learning our own capacity, what we can give and just being careful about uh, what we're willing to release for the time that we're doing that. Sarah, you had talked about being a media specialist last year or last couple of years. Will you just kind of give an update in regards to what you're up to now? Because it has changed just a little bit. And you also talked about the doctors. So I'm just curious where you're at in that program too. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So um, yeah. So I released the library media specialist position and I retained my work with Jay Casas and Associates and took on the role of senior associate there. So what that means is that I'm doing more speaking um, with Jimmy Casas' content in addition to mine. So when you mentioned that I was going to be in your area, I will be doing a workshop for a school. And I'm super excited about this. It's for their classified staff, which we don't provide enough professional development for our classified staff on Live Your Excellence. So I am increasing the content that I do to serve educators through, you know, I can do the culturized messages as well as Live Your Excellence and all of my own content with leading with faith, affirmed in purpose, and the going beyond work-life balance. So that, in addition, I do leadership coach through Jay Casas and Associates, where we, I love that model because we go on site 
um, several times a year and I get to support principals and all of my clients are new this year, which is amazing. But then, yes, I am an adjunct professor for Viterbo University and that I'm teaching two courses this fall. So that takes up that time investment is spent a lot there. And on weekends, I teach those courses. And then I am in my third year of my PhD. And the exciting part about that is that I just finished my last formal class that I'll ever take. Um, and I will be now self-paced moving into my dissertation. And uh, by May the 4th, be with you, hopefully, I, yes, will be a doctor of philosophy or whatever. Oh, it's happening. It's <laughs> oh, happening. that's happening for it's sure. It's happening. Yes. <laughs> and I can't wait to call you Dr. Johnson. That's going to be fun. Yeah, on the sly, because I'm not really going to be making people call me that. I don't know yet. We'll see. But yeah, you can call me Dr. Johnson. <laughs> I will just because I will probably get a reaction out of you when I do it. But uh, I also want to celebrate all of the hard work because thankfully I've got to see kind of behind the scenes of you going through that process and trying to juggle both family and your professional life and in that. And it's a lot of work. I, I know some folks hear that, but to actually live it and go through that process, it, it is quite um, the extensive process to, to go through that, that program. So kudos to you. I have nothing but love and respect for you. You're, you're going to be phenomenal as a Dr. Johnson. And I can't wait to start calling you that. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. You had touched on coaching, and that's something that you do all over this country with Jimmy Costas. And I want to touch on why that's so important for our leaders, because I think a lot of folks hear that term. They know it's important, but to actually get into signing up for that, I'm just wondering what for you, what are your like coaching strategies? And of course, you know, why is it so important for our leaders? Well, first of all, I wanted to mention that I think a big part of my journey and what my message can be to the listeners is that your trajectory doesn't have to be linear. And I think you're a great example of that, Joshua, that, you know, we try to, we gain into roles and we think that we're going to be in that role forever or that there has to be a next rung on this perceived ladder of leadership in order for us to have any type of worth or credibility. And I feel like I just needed to say that because as I step away and try to weave in this message of being careful with your yeses and giving what you can where it is, my energies do uh, flow very heavy with the passion for serving leaders. And a huge part of that is because you and I both know this, we've lived it. The capacity for burnout in a principalship role, administrative role is so high. One of the, actually the thing that I'm studying, if I could digress for just a moment is the impact of, uh, well, first of all, I've studied burnout in leaders <laughs> um, in this academic work. And I also came across this quote that said, when there is a flame, there will be a burn and that, and so the expectation is basically if you're a passionate leader, burnout is on your path. And at first I felt, oh gosh, that seems so wrong. That's inevitable. How could that be? But, you know, you start to learn through this research about the fact that everybody experiences a level of that. And so what can we do to help and serve to mitigate that stress that leads to burnout. We don't want people burnt out, but we know in our education that it's pervasive. And I don't want to use the term inevitable, but I kind of observe that it is at some point. 
And I think there are cycles that we all go through. So anyway, having said that, (laughs) I find my role to be one of the most important because I believe that especially middle-level leaders in an organization like principals tend to get really neglected. They are, or APs, right? They're just expected to do all the leadership things and care for their staff to help them prevent burnout. Yet there's very little support for them to put systems in place to try to reduce those stresses while they're at work and also their own personal characteristics of leadership, you know, um, and helping to manage their levels of satisfaction so that those stress factors that are present can be uh, coped with in healthy ways instead of the ways that we tend to. Um, So my work through the official programming at J. Costas and Associates, we absolutely go through the four core principles of Culturize. And a huge part of that, though, is getting to know the leaders on a personal level, helping them get to understand themselves, helping them develop their leadership language so that the clarity can come so that when they're doing this big work of leading the learning and cultivating the culture of their buildings, that they're doing that with as much eyes wide open as possible. Uh, So it's really good work. And um, I don't know, I find it to be, if I could just do that every day for the rest of my life, I might consider. (laughs) (laughs) I love coaching myself. I know you do too. I think that's why the two of us work so well on the Aspire to Rise because it's a passion and it's something that we enjoy so much, you know, just pouring into young, well, not even young, but just leaders in general. I, I want you to expand on the the idea of that linear path and giving permission, because I felt that to the core when you said that, because there's so many people in my life over the last decade to speak into, you need to be a principal, you need to be in a superintendent role, or you need to be an upper admin. And I lost track of how many times that conversation occurred as far as like, this is your pathway. This is where you need to go next. And I mean, as we sit here, it's obvious that that's not <laughs> the direction I went in. And I know for yourself too, you're, you've been all over the map as far as different positions. And I'm just wondering if you've ever felt the weight of expectations of others as far as where you should progress next. All the time for my entire life. When you say the weight of expectation of others, that I feel like the message that everyone needs to hear right now is that when we put our focus on what others expect of us, that can, it's a double-edged sword. In one way, we want to be mentored and we want to be sponsored and we want to allow ourselves to rise up to the level that others who have our best interest see in us. Absolutely. Let that happen, please. But when it comes from a space of judgment or you're making that decision out of, um, you know, fear that you need to do something different or an obligation because you believe that that's the perception of what it's supposed to be, or even some guilt because the organization is saying that you need to do it, no one else can do it, et cetera, then we know it's not right. I'll never forget, and I'm grateful for this, but I felt the pressure for superintendency way long ago. Um, My superintendent, where I worked, we were in a very tiny school. I started leading all the professional development at 22, uh, which still just cracks me up. Um, But, you know, I, I did get my principal license, and the minute I got it, and I got it early, the minute I got it, he started throwing flyers for my superintendency position in there. And I love that because he saw it in me. And what I really love is I'm still connected. And every now and then he'll give me a call and say, "Who do you, what do you want to be when you grow up? And, you know, so he's made me believe in myself that that's possible. And that's a very different track than other 
other people who literally had said to me when I left my principal position, well, you got to be doing something in the meantime, or it's going to look really bad. Like what is, what is that going to look like on your resume when you're gone? And, and, you know, that's a judgment space from the people in my life that were saying that. And yeah, okay. I did earn my superintendent license since I've been a principal and I'm earning my PhD. So on paper, I'm not worried about it. I don't, appreciate that feeling that I'm supposed to do that in order for the world to care or feel like I'm worthy, you know, or that leadership has to come in that title. So yeah, absolutely. It's present. And by the way, Joshua, I want to say to you how grateful I am that when you stepped away, you have found so many different avenues to use all of these incredible talents and skills and passions inside of yourself that people may not have even known with your art background. You know, uh, you, there, there's so much there that you can use in a, in a principal position, but not to the net that you have tossed out there into this world. Had you focused your energies on just wind building, you know, so the oh, worthiness sure. factor there is so big. I'm incredibly happy right now with the many projects that I have. I'm not going to lie, uh, because I do. I feel like all of my talents and skills and passions that I have, I have the control to use it the way that I want. And uh, sometimes I felt like I was really constrained to a box to fit in. And I, I've never enjoyed that. And I felt that many times in my life. But uh, yeah, I, I, I'm much healthier. I'm much happier. And I appreciate those kind of words, Sarah. Um, you're definitely a piece of that too, of speaking wisdom into my life. And I just appreciate your support. So thank you for that. I wanted to touch on a word you use. You said sponsorship. <laughs> and I saw something on social media that you posted and it caught my eye because that's not a word that I've seen too, too many times. I've obviously coaching, mentorship, those, those terms are used often. And I just was hoping that you would just touch on the difference between a coach or a mentor versus being sponsored. Careful. You're going to have me geek out now. Please. Um, so I've done research on this and I love it. You know, mentors and coaches can be seen as similar. Coaching is more formal. It's usually more directed. Um, mentorship is, you know, the idea of mentorship really is that a person gives the knowledge that they have. They try to grow the person in whatever capacity they have, and they'll use their, you know, institutional knowledge, credit, or whatever to help grow that person in the capacity that they're in, which is amazing. We need mentors. Every one of us does. Sponsors are uh, people that are seen as individuals who have more influence, maybe more power, however you want to look at it. But they are individuals who are intentional to make space and make opportunities happen for a person. And so when you think about like leadership, and I, I think about this usually in the realm of individuals who have been typically underrepresented. And so, of course, in my time, and I have this podcast that amplifies women. So, of course, I've done a lot of study on gender roles with leadership and uh, representation and everything. And when it comes to sponsors, we need sponsors because the representation is still very low. And people who are in positions of authority and power to make um, positions, opportunities, the, they're the the people who, you know, when you're not in the room, they're speaking your name because they are creating opportunities for you as a leader to grow and to advance through the ranks of the pipeline. Um, that to me is the key difference. Um, mentors can come alongside us. 
sponsors, they reach back and with their muscles and they pull us right up, you know, and I love sponsors. I have enough in my life that I am so grateful for. Um, I actually shared and I, I could send it to you if you want to link it in my most recent Jolt episode, a kind of a revelation about two people that you would consider potentially as mentors. But I realized the key difference in the sponsorship um, was the individual who really pushed me to, you know, I started teaching. I, I started teaching at the collegiate level as like a second or third year teacher because I had a sponsor who saw something in me and said, you got to do this. So I know that I would not be where I am today had that individual not seen it and created the opportunity for me. Yeah, I love that link, Sarah. And I, I'll put in the show notes for that Jolt episode. And maybe that's a good segue to just talk about the content that you create. Obviously, you have a phenomenal podcast and you also have different variations of that podcast, which is the Jolt episode. So if you wouldn't mind sharing about that also, because, you know, for my podcast, I also have a few variations myself with the Aspire Mailbag with Jeff Gargas and, you know, Aspire to Rise with the wonderful Sarah Johnson. So, I mean, I have different things going on with the Aspire podcast too, but I wanted to give you this opportunity to, to amplify the phenomenal work that you do. Thank you, Joshua. And if you were watching the video, you all saw me put my hands on here like, <laughs> ah, right. Because that was one of the unintentional no's that happened um, in those couple of years. And, you know, I've been clawing my way back into it. I have an incredible virtual assistant that helps me, but we definitely are on hi hiatus right now. But there are 150 some episodes of women that I've amplified interviews, plus the Aspire to Rise episodes. And yes, Jolt episodes where I try to provide just a chunk of inspiration, a chunk of reflection um, for listeners to help them you know, process through the topics that came to me at the time. Um, but it's fun that you mentioned the sponsorship because I, I am going to be relaunching. And now that I am out of this formal coursework, I'll have some more time to give this intentional yes. And I'm really excited about it. So um, moving forward, I'm going to be amplifying as I always have women and doing jolts. But I'm also going to be showcasing sponsors, those people who intentionally making space for others. And I am excited about that. So if you have not ever listened to the In Awe podcast, it really is a community that I've tried to build that is interested in amplifying women. It is not just for women. It is meant to be an opportunity to grow the voices of those that historically have not had the opportunity to have their voice amplified. I love it. And I'm super excited about the new piece of the podcast because, I mean, like you said, sponsorship's a really important topic and one that's not discussed often enough. I know when I was going through, like I said, your social media post, you kind of had like different definitions for each one. And I thought that was so enlightening because it's something that occurs often, but there's just like not a name attached to it. And so I love that you're doing some additional work in that, not only in your own studies, but then also with your podcast and Sarah, I want to talk about some advice. You know, we do this with every podcast is something that's an actual item for our listeners, because it's one thing to consume content. You know, we, I feel like we consume all the time, right? With our social media, with uh, books, with articles, things that we're watching on YouTube. And then a lot of times because of time, we, we don't have the action that's in front of it. So if there's something they can do tomorrow or next week to enhance their leadership journey, what is a piece of advice you would give them? For me, it always comes back to know thyself. You know, I, you always think about if you are a person who appreciates the research that John Hattie puts out there is know thy impact. I don't think you can do that until you know yourself. And so 
first of all, learning, um, as we say at Jay Casas and Associates, knowing your leadership language is important. But in my work, uh, even when I've coached individuals through my firm foundations coaching, if you want to grow your leadership, then I, I do this in my coursework too. identify your core values. An actionable step is to utilize, actually, Brené Brown has this in her Dare to Lead book, and I put it in my Lead with Faith book, is figuring out how to distill your, your values down to core values that have action behind them. And then from there, take those and develop a really beautiful mission that you just want to write down every day so that you can remember it when days get hard or boring or stressful, or you're not getting that position that you thought of, but you remember to live mission focused, which is behaving your way into the vision of who you eventually want to come become. So if you do nothing else, have a clear value set, a mission that drives you every day and a vision to what you want to become in your leadership life. And I would, I firm advocate for creating something that speaks to your full life, not just a title that you want to be. Well, Sarah, I also think you do a phenomenal job of speaking into action plans of like a 30 day, 90 day plan. I know you do this for yourself, even though you've got a variety of different roles. So I want to talk about resources real quick, because yes, it's wonderful to do the action plan. And, and like you said, uh, be intentional with a mission, I want them, though, also to be able to find a phenomenal resource, and your books are definitely that. So can you just speak quickly on what resources you have available? Sure. Uh, I have published two books, one co-authored, Balance Like a Pirate, Going Beyond Work-Life Balance to Ignite Passion and Thrive as an Educator. I still feel like that's evergreen content. I speak a lot on that um, content, and people continue to share how that impacts them co-authored with Jessica Johnson and Jessica Cabine. And then I have a uh, book called Lead with Faith, um, Building Firm Foundations. You can rise up, slay fear, and serve well. In that, yes, there is a, a element of Christian religion in there, but I've been told over and over again that the foundation stands firm. And in that, you'll find nice resources, solid structures to help you build that leadership language, to help you firm your own foundations so that you can do all those uh, hard leadership things with courage. And I would encourage you too, if um, any of these interest you to reach out to me and I can help you uh, do some of that work. And my podcast has featured also like four part series, right? On going beyond work-life balance structures. So I, that's within my Jolt episodes, as well as um, some nice content provided by individuals um, in that faith framework too. So, you know, I'd encourage you if you don't want to read a book and you just want that free podcast content, it's there for you. Sarah, if someone is interested in connecting with you on social media or finding your podcast, how might they do that? Pretty easy. Go to www.sarahsajohnson.com. But you can find me on, I guess we call it X now. Um, used to be Twitter, right? <laughs> Facebook, <so> Instagram. <laughs> I'm not on TikTok yet, but I think Joshua is going to convince me to get there. Are you there? I'm on there. I, I rarely post, but I do consume content in there. <laughs> I create and I produce content for Instagram, my Facebook page, and uh, LinkedIn. So that's where you can engage with me. I mean, now that I have video content, maybe I can splice it up and throw it on TikTok, but... 
I haven't really ventured too much in there, but I will say the end of the year, you're going to be there. I think me too. uh, Probably. That's (laughs) definitely the direction I'm heading. Right. So if anyone is interested in connecting with Sarah, obviously it's going to be in the show notes. You can go head over to joshstamper.com there. I'll have all the social media links for Sarah, her podcast, her books. If you actually go to the resource section of my website, I actually have a link there. You click on it and go directly to Sarah's book and Amazon. So just saying it's a pretty phenomenal book. I have it on my shelf right now. I've read it. It's absolutely wonderful and highly recommended. So head over to joshamber.com for all that information. There's plenty of material on there too for you if you're looking for additional resources. So Sarah, you, my friend, are amazing. I'm hoping, I'm praying that on Sunday I can see you in person. So uh, for the listeners, you might check out my social media to see some photos if that happens. And then Sarah's also going to see snow on the mountaintops. I almost just sang Elsa, but I pulled myself back. <laughs> I will definitely be singing some songs when I'm singing that snow on the mountaintops. Uh, absolutely. And awesome. I appreciate you, Joshua. Thank you for everything you continue to do to grow leadership around our country and those that are listening to the podcast because it's definitely not small and it's amazing. Thank you. 